welcome to the American Council of Christian Churches podcast. Since 1941, Bible-believing churches holding to the great fundamental truths of the Word of God as held by the historic Christian Church have worked through the ACCC to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Today's podcast is a message given by Rev. John Mark Turner at the ACCC's 2023 Annual Convention at Faith Baptist Church in Kittery, Maine. John Mark is the pastor of Hardingville Bible Church in Monroeville, New Jersey. This message from 2 John was given Wednesday evening, October 25, and is titled, A Holy Truth-Fused Love. Greetings from Hardingville Bible Church in Monroeville, New Jersey, and greetings also from the Fellowship of Fundamental Bible Churches. It is a great honor for me to be here. We always enjoy the fellowship of good Christian people. And this year is no different. The messages have been a great joy and a great encouragement to my heart. And I also thank Pastor Kaufman for his pulpit tonight. My assignment this evening is 2 John. 2 John a holy, truth-fused love. If you would turn with me to 2 John, in 13 verses, the Bible says, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace, from God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly, that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that... As ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward." Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, 
but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. Let's pray. Father, be with us as we go through this passage of scripture tonight. Bless your word to our hearts. Help us to love truth, to hate error. Help us to treasure you above all. Help us to walk in the truth. And Father, as you are ever faithful, may we be found faithful in your service. Illuminate our minds and hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. John Bunyan's allegory, Pilgrim's Progress, depicts a man's journey from the city of destruction to the heavenly city. Early in the story, Mr. Worldly Wise Man, whose name should be obvious as far as what he represents, convinces Pilgrim to turn aside from the council of evangelists. Eventually, Pilgrim discovers that he has lost his way, and he meets up with Evangelist once again. And at that point, Evangelist gives him this admonition. He says there are three things in this man's counsel, that is, in the counsel of Mr. Worldly Wise Man, that thou must utterly abhor. Number one, his turning thee out of the way. Number two, his laboring to render the cross odious to thee or hateful, abominable to thee. And number three, his setting thy feet in the way that leadeth unto the administration of death. The Apostle John gives a similar warning against those who would turn his children in a way that leads unto the administration of death and spiritual ruin. He addresses his audience in fatherly, compassionate tones, but at the same time, he gives the strongest of warnings. Beware of those who would turn you out of the way to make the cross abhorrent to you and to set you on the path of spiritual ruin. My friends, that warning is true for us today. John the Apostle wrote this letter in the A.D. 90s. He could be speaking to an actual prominent lady and her children, or perhaps in verse 1, the phrase, the elect lady and her children, refer to a local church and its members. But either way, the message is the same, and the warning is just as urgent. As Christianity spread throughout the Roman Empire, so too did a variety of counterfeits. And one of those counterfeits was an incipient Gnosticism, not a full-blown Gnosticism like we would find in the second century, but a sort of proto-Gnosticism which denied the fundamental doctrine of the incarnation of our Savior. These false teachers infiltrated the church. And one commentator puts it this way. He said, these first century progressives 
regarded with disdain those whose faith was based on the truths handed down by the apostles. They denigrated divine revelation from God himself. And they might have said, that's old news. It may have served its purpose in the past, but we require new truths for our contemporary era. This was the message of the Gnostics. It is the same twisted heresy that we hear today. And John responds by emphasizing the inseparability of truth and love in verses 1 through 3. And friends, that is so important because those of us who would fight for the truth are going to be accused of being unloving. And that's why this message tonight is entitled, A Holy Truth-Fused Love. It is a truth that is fused with love. At the same time, the two are inseparable. The elder John, John the Apostle, the disciple of our Lord Jesus, stated that he loved his readers in the truth, as did all those who know the truth, because of the truth that lived in them both. And he mentions this truth in verse 2, that dwelleth in us. My friends, the truth lives and remains in those of us who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And it will be with us eternally. It cannot be defeated. The flame cannot be extinguished. The saints will persevere because they have been given new birth through the word of truth and the spirit of truth. And those who truly belong to Christ can rest assured that God's grace and mercy and peace in verse 3 will be with them. And here it is again. Look at verse 3. The last words. In truth and love. John is getting his point across well, isn't he? Notice that the word truth also connects verses 3 and 4. When he says, I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. John had met some of the members of this local church, and they were continuing in the apostolic doctrine, walking in the truth, divine revelation. He mentions this truth five times in the first four verses. So to John's readers, this truth was the divine revelation, the word of God, my friends, to know the Bible is to know the truth. To obey the word is to obey the truth. John starts off then on a positive note, but then he moves on to three major exhortations that I want to look at tonight. Number one, walk in obedience motivated by love. Walk in obedience motivated by love, verses 5 and 6. First of all, he says, let us love one another. Look in verse 5. When John uses the phrase, from the beginning, in this context, he is referring to 
the origin and bedrock of the Christian faith, as one commentator says, embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. It was on the night of his betrayal that our Lord Jesus said these words, John 13 and verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. This is not a sentimental love. This is not a worldly love. But this is divine love that is produced by God himself. And so we see this constant mention of truth and love and obedience. Notice that John also says, let us walk in obedience to God's commands. Not only let us love one another, but let us walk in obedience to what God has said. And the two will always go together. They cannot be separated. My friends, this is the essence of love. Look at verse 6. This is love that we walk after his commandments. And this is the commandment that, as ye have heard from the beginning... You should walk in it. Truth is propositional, but truth is also personal. It characterizes God himself. God is true. He is totally reliable. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Now when John says this is the commandment that, as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. What he's saying is that you should walk in the truth, divinely revealed truth. Now, to the world, the essence of love is toleration for evil, increasingly in our society. It is compromised with the enemies of truth. We hear these words, love and tolerance. But that is not true biblical love. True biblical love will draw the line. True biblical love has limits. True biblical love will say no. And so we see this first exhortation. John says, walk in obedience motivated by love. My friends, if you love God, you'll obey his word. You will not pick and choose what you want to obey. As one brother said this week, and I loved this phrase, selective obedience. Because it characterizes the church today. It is really just another expression of human autonomy. I will obey what I want to obey. And friends, that is human nature in a nutshell. That is totally depraved human nature. I did that as a kid. If I wanted to do what mom and dad said, then I did it. Now, otherwise, I still did it. But if I could get away with it, I would disobey. Selective obedience. You ever heard of selective hearing? But to really love God, you must obey him. And that includes the things that are difficult in his word. That means there are times when you draw the line. 
That means there are times when you make the difficult decisions and the difficult choices as a pastor. And you know that you do it because you love God. You love the Lord Jesus Christ more than the praise of men. And yes, we do love men. We do love the lost. But first and foremost, I must obey God. I must honor him above all. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. It's only then that we can proceed to love thy neighbor. But I'm afraid that for so many, it is a self-love, what they would call love for other people. What they call love for other people is nothing more than self-preservation. It is looking for the approval of men. My friends, if we truly love God, we will obey him. We will be motivated by love for his word. And we will walk in obedience to him. I want you to come with me now to the second admonition. Number two, beware of deception and spiritual loss. Verses seven through nine. Look first at the warning against false teaching in verse seven. John says, for many deceivers are entered into the world. You mean it was already like this in the first century? This verse could have been written about present day circumstances. There are still many deceivers, many people who are in opposition to Christ. But I do want to say that as John referred to earlier, there are also those who walk in truth. And that is something that brings great joy to the heart of every genuine believer. Look in verse 4 where John says this, I rejoiced greatly. When God sees obedience in his children, it brings great joy to him. And my friends, if you are truly saved, it brings joy to you to see other people walking in obedience. Let me say that this conference brings great joy to me. I need this. I need the encouragement of brothers and sisters who walk in the ways of the Lord. Too many times we can get the Elijah complex. Lord, I'm the only one. We feel that we are isolated. You remember what God told Elijah? He said, I have reserved unto myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. There is a remnant according to the election of grace. God always has his remnant. And let us praise and thank God for this. And let us rejoice greatly in it. But friends, there is also a great danger. Just as there was in this situation. As we mentioned before, there was this incipient Gnosticism which denied the full humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so John does not mince words. He uses harsh and uncompromising terms. He calls them deceiver and antichrist. They are of their father, the devil, who is a deceiver. They may be charismatic and magnetic in their personality, 
They may draw large crowds, and quite often they do, because they are saying things that people like to hear. But like the devil himself, they masquerade as angels of light. Paul says they are false apostles. They are deceitful workers. And false teachers, no matter what they claim, stand in active opposition to Jesus. The 18th century English preacher William Grimshaw was speaking with a woman who had expressed her admiration of a certain minister who was gifted in talent but lacked the truth. Madam, said Grimshaw, I am glad you never saw the devil. When asked why he made this remark, he said, because he has greater talents than all the ministers in the world. I am fearful if you were to see him, you would fall in love with him. As you seem to have such a high regard for talent without holiness. Pray, do not be led away with the sound of talents. Let the ministry under which providence has called you never be deserted. Listen to this, under the influence of novelty. New movements and Christian fads which come along, which tell us to forsake the way of truth. Grimshaw says, there dwell. And pray fervently that it may prove to you increasingly edifying, consolatory, and instructive. I counseled someone years ago, and they came to me and She said, well, you know, preacher, I've been listening to this particular pastor on television. And he sounds so sincere. And I really believe that he wants to help other people. And after all, he must be doing something right because he has thousands of people in his congregation. This has already been mentioned before, too, and I'm... Glad that it has. You remember 2 Timothy 3 and verse 13, if you want to turn there with me. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 13, where Paul talks about false teachers. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 13, Paul talks about these deceivers, imposters. He says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. They will progress to the worst. And then what does it say? Deceiving and then what? Being deceived. I don't doubt that some of them are sincere. I really believe that some of them have fooled themselves. Perhaps they have... Preach this, perhaps, of course, the devil has deceived them. But they will proclaim how they love people. You know, the wolf loves sheep, but not in the same way that the shepherd loves the sheep. I cannot begin to discern a person's motivations, but a wolf is a wolf, no matter what. And in Acts 20 and verse 29, Paul says, After my departing, 
shall grievous wolves enter in, not sparing the flock. They will enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Watch and remember, he says in verse 31, I ceased not to warn everyone, night and day with tears. That's how serious we have to be about this. Because you see, John goes on in verse 8 to talk about the warning against spiritual loss. Look to yourselves, he says, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. The Greek word for look to yourselves means watch out. Beware. It was used several times by our Lord when he warned his disciples against deception. Mark 8, 15, Jesus said, take heed. And then he said, beware. There's that word. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. In Mark 13 and verse 22, he says, for false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. That's how smooth-tongued they can be. Verse 23, here's the word, but take heed. Behold, I have foretold you all things. Christ himself has given us warning. The apostles give us warning. Be careful that you do not suffer loss. I believe that this refers for a Christian to the loss of reward. It does not mean that we lose our salvation, but for some who are lost, it refers to eternal damnation. Those who are turned aside from the way of truth, those who go to a local church wanting to hear the truth, and instead they hear a forked tongue, smooth-tongued preacher who does not teach and preach God's word. And he leads them in the way of the administration of death. I believe the saints will persevere. And I believe that perseverance is the proof of your profession. But at the same time, the landscape is littered with individuals and churches that have become spiritual casualties. Because people are no longer preaching the truth. They are no longer warning against error. John says, I'm writing this out of love for the truth, for the truth of God. Because I want to be obedient to him. He loves God. He loves Christ. He loves the flock. He loves those that would be drawn away after these men. Notice the contrast between the heretics and the true believers in verse 9. The Bible says, whosoever transgresseth. That word literally means to go beyond, to go too far, or to walk ahead of someone else. This may be a reference to the false teachers who believed that they had advanced or progressed beyond the apostolic doctrine. When someone adds to the biblical testimony concerning Jesus Christ, 
They are diminishing the truth of who he is and what he has done. Any development in theology that does not abide or continue in the doctrine of Christ must be condemned. And there can be no compromise on this point. This includes the essential doctrines of the faith as well as matters on which the scriptures are abundantly clear. And let me say at this point, yes, Christ did reach out to others with grace and compassion. But he also called them to faith and repentance. Repentance towards God. Faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You often hear this lie, and that is that Jesus never drew lines. He most definitely drew lines. Matthew 7, 14, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. One preacher said, Jesus drew circles instead of lines. Well, first of all, to draw a circle, you have to draw a line. And you know, there's still the inside of the circle and there's the outside. So the illustration doesn't even hold true as far as that goes. But Jesus said in, verse, in Luke 13 and verse 5, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Matthew 25 and verse 32, And before him at the final judgment shall be gathered all nations. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to draw a line. And he shall separate them one from another. As a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. I would rather tell a person right now, a lost person right now, that their soul is in eternal jeopardy rather than giving them a lie and then having them find out later on at the last judgment that it is too late. My friends, when you tell someone the truth, it is the greatest act of love in the world. We don't do it out of meanness. We don't do it out of, with an obnoxious spirit. We do it because we love people. But friends, you're not always going to be well received when you do it. And that's why we have to continue in the faith. As a pastor, it is very easy to become weary. As you continue to tell the truth, and sometimes people don't always respond the right way. But that is the most loving thing that you can do for them. It is the way of Christ himself. Christ is the truth. He is the way and the life. John's message to us today is that genuine Christian love must draw lines. As Moses said in Exodus 32 and verse 26, who is on the Lord's side? That is a line drawn in the sand. When I was a child, my mother would tell me, she would say, John Mark, don't go in the street. Very, very simple admonition. She drew a line. You can play in your yard. It's a big yard. Have a ball, have fun, but don't go beyond the line into the street. That was an act of love. 
boundaries, standards. My friends, these are acts of love. They are based on truth and obedience to God. Number one, we walk in obedience, motivated by love. Number two, beware of deception and spiritual loss. This is why we give the truth. And then number three, we avoid, reject those who deny the faith. Here's the statement of the prohibition in verse 10. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. If there come any unto you, speaks of an official entrance. John is not speaking of the casual visitor, but a teacher who claims authority. John is saying, you are not to receive him. You are not to put your approval upon him. You are not to call him a brother. You are not to give him your affirmation. There is to be no fellowship with those who are in doctrinal error. We cannot retain associations with those who deny the fundamentals of the faith within a denominational or other organizational framework. And friends, as a pastor, one of the things that burdens my heart, we look at this verse today and, and we think about a, a person coming into to a household and being received and given hospitality and Really, the image here is of a local church receiving a traveling teacher and giving affirmation and approval and hospitality. We are not to do that. But these days, we have all kinds of media. Look at the wealth of input that we have. Not just TV and radio, not just magazines and books, but now we have social media. We have so many things online. And there are so many inroads that the devil can use into the lives of our people. He is getting into our homes. He is twisting the hearts and lives of our children. If we are not careful. If we are not wary of Satan and his devices. How we need discernment. And then we need firmness to take action. May the Lord bless my parents, my mother is still alive. My father is, is with the Lord now. But there were times when I was a teenager growing up. I didn't always do what I should. I would buy rock music tapes. I remember I came home. My dad found my stash of rock music tapes. They were all in the trash and all they had been ripped out. You know, a lot of kids today probably wouldn't know what cassette tapes are. But uh, just to make sure that I got the point, he had taken those ribbons and he had torn them out of those cassettes. He didn't want them to be used anymore. I got the message. I may be talking to some parents today who are discouraged because your children will say, Dad, you don't love me. I thought the same thing when I was 16, 17, 18. I thought very differently when I started to get 20, 21, 22. It took a little while, but dad was faithful. Dad was a shepherd. Dad was looking out for the wolves. I look back on mom and dad with great appreciation because it's never easy when your children are accusing you of 
hatred. Mom and dad hate me. Mom and dad never want me to have a good time. Mom and dad love me. God loves us. God loves us enough to tell us the truth. He sent his son to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. But he tells us the truth that if we reject him, that there is no other remedy but through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other salvation outside of him. How thankful I am for the truth from my heavenly father that he did not give up on me. But friends, there are many today that do not heed this warning. And they receive into their midst in some form or other these false teachers and their heresies. There are many today who want God but not Jesus. They want a Jesus of their own making. A Jesus who is always tolerant and progressive. They want Jesus but not Jesus the Son of God. Not Jesus the Sovereign Lord who is master of every area of my life. They want a multicultural gospel that promises everyone will go to heaven. Religion, but not a relationship with Jesus Christ. Homosexual rights, abortion rights, radical feminism, we see these in the very church of God today. Or else the church is silent on these things. They want an end to dogma and strong Bible doctrine. They want to bring non-Christian religions to a level equal with Christianity. Do away with sin, they say. Do away with judgment and eternal hell. That's going to turn people away. You're not going to attract the big crowds. Do-it-yourself Christianity. Salad bar Christianity. Make whatever kind of Christianity you want. My friends, me, we must beware of false teaching. We must love the truth. We must obey the truth. Love must draw lines. Love must have limits. There are those who would draw the unsuspecting pilgrims after them and set their feet in that way that leads unto the administration of death. And in that way, John gives us this serious warning in verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. They do not belong to him. My friends, let us walk in truth and love and obedience. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of truth and without iniquity. You are just and right. We're thankful for our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. We thank you that as you are a God of truth, that you are also a God of love. And those two meet perfectly in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray that we would never be ashamed of our Savior. 
that we would bear the reproach of the cross, that we would obey the commands of our Savior, even when it is not popular. We pray that we would walk in holy love for the truth and obedience to you. We thank you for brethren who can dwell together in unity that is based upon your truth, motivated by your love. And we pray that it would always be so until your return. By your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.